0: Happy Sabbath. Amen. A blessing to come and worship in the house of God and those that are at home and your house with your family. You're also blessed uh, to join us. Uh, let's give each other a, a kiss but from the distance. Okay, so just it like this. Alright. <laughs> and Rodney, the first thing that he told me this morning, he said, you know what, Pastor, you look happier today. Whoa. Because Sophia's back. <laughs> oh. Yeah, so praise God for that. See if I can get some more volume on the mic. All right, good. So today we have a message. We have a message for you guys. Uh, we're going to put it here on the screen. You can take notes. We have a lot of things to share this morning with you. And so here on the screen, you'll see the title of my sermon this morning. The title of my sermon is, In a Pit with a Lion on a Snowy Day. All right. So uh, let's, let's put it up here, there it goes, in a pit with a lion on a snowy day. And our text for this morning is found in the book of Samuel, so let's go ahead and, and open our Bibles, or turn on your Bibles, and we'll put it up here also for those that, that want to read it here on the screen. Second Samuel twenty three twenty says, Benaiah was the son of Jehoiada, the son of a vi- uh, valiant man from Kibzil who had done many deeds he had killed two lion-like heroes of Moab and now, now listen to this he also had gone down and killed a lion in the midst of a pit on a snowy day wow so lions man they're pretty fierce animals they're pretty big cats huh yeah well I once heard a story of a praying lion So happens that there was a missionary in Africa, and he was walking through the jungle to go from one village to another, and he encounters a lion. So, of course, as a good missionary devoted to God, you know, he started to pray for deliverance. (laughs) He was praying for deliverance. Well, when he said amen, the lion had its eyes closed. And so he says, this is a good moment for me to walk away. So he starts walking away, and all of a sudden the lion talks and says, he opens one eye, and says, hey, where are you going, man? I'm praying for my meal, you know. <laughs> of course, that was just a joke. But what we're going to study this morning is no joke. We're going to study about a man that fought a lion in a pit in the middle of a snowstorm and killed that lion. You know, the Bible has 122 references to lions or lioness or lions. And they, they mean many different things. Like sometimes the lion can be a, some, a symbol of something. Uh, sometimes it's a reference to talk about lessons like courage or maybe lessons that have to do with warfare. Sometimes they were mentioned in the Bible as part of certain constructions of certain really uh, huge, magnificent constructions. And then, of course, sometimes it even uh, teaches us lessons about Jesus. So, you know, the Bible has these 122 references, and a lot of these references have to do with Bible stories. A lot of the, the, the the references of the Bible, there's stories about lions. So let's go through a few of these, okay, this morning. So let's, let's just put a few here. So we have the first one that's mentioned in the Bible, the first story about a lion. Actually, this lion was killed. Uh, this is the story of Samson. So we can find that in Judges 14. So if you want to go to your Bibles to Judges 14, we find the story there. So he had gone down to uh, Timnah, which was a Philistine uh, town, and he had fallen in love with this young lady. And he decided to marry her. But, you know, that's not right. That's not according to God's will. But he goes and tells mom and dad, I found this really nice young lady in Timna. You know, I want to marry her. And so even though they tried to discourage him, he didn't like the, the way they were talking to him. And so he actually obligated them to go and ask for her hand. So the Bible says in, in Judges 15, 5 and 6, So Samson went down to Timnah with his father and mother. They went in separate timing, you know, they didn't go together. But the father and mother went to make the marriage arrangements. And they came to the vineyards of Timnah. Now, it says here, to his surprise, a young lion came roaring against him. And the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. And he tore the lion apart as one would have torn apart a young goat, though he had nothing in his hand. So barehandedly, he just ripped this lion apart. But he did not tell his father or his mother what he had done. So, you know the story, you know, they go down, they get married and everything. But something interesting is that he goes back to the spot where he had killed that lion. Because, you know, sometimes we like to go back to our achievements. And so he goes back to see where the lion is. And he sees the lion there, dead, maybe rotten by then. But then he sees a lot of bees. And so as he gets close to the corpse, he finds a honeycomb inside the lion. So he gets in there and gets the honey out and eats it and takes it to his mom and dad. Of course, he didn't tell them that that he had gotten out of a course because that was unclean. But he gave the mom and dad some honey. And then he made a riddle for the Philistines. They couldn't figure it out. I'm not going to go through all the details. But his wife, which is now his wife, pressured him to give him the answer to the riddle. So she told the Philistines. The Philistines gave the answer to, to Samson. Samson got really upset. God gave him power again. He destroyed those Philistines. And he ended up divorced. You, know, you don't want a wife that's a telltale, right? So, you know, he ends up divorced. And, you know, so, so that's a, an incredible story. And, of course, there must be some very important lessons there. But then we have another story. David, while well, he was just an adolescent, just a young kid, he was tending to the flocks of his father as a shepherd. And a lion came out to try to eat the lamb. And he killed the lion. Imagine, just a young boy, a teenager. He, he kills the lion. So we can find that in 1 Samuel 17, verses 34 through 37. But David said to Saul, this is David telling the story about how he had killed a lion. He's telling the story to Saul when they're at the camp facing the Philistines and, and Goliath, right? So, so he's telling the story, and he says, but David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep, and when a lion... Or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, your servant has killed both lion and bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing that he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Wow, and you guys know the rest of the story. <laughs> but then th- th- there's another story that has to do with a prophet. He's not named. It just says he's a man of God. And he disobeyed God. This was a prophet of God. He disobeyed God, and a lion came out and killed him and devoured him. So this is in 1 Kings chapter 13. It says, By the word of the Lord, a man of God, no name, just a man of God, came from Judah to Bethel as Jeroboam, was standing by the altar to make an offering. So Jeroboam was the king. And so he goes to this king, prophesies some really negative things. (laughs) And so as he's giving this prophecy, the king wants to take this man of God and get rid of him. And all of a sudden, when he stretches out his hand, he can't bring it back. He gets paralyzed, and it withers. It's like if all the blood was just sucked out of his arm. and And so he starts crying to the prophet. Please, heal my arm, heal my arm. So the prophet heals his arm, and he says, why don't you come to my palace to eat? And he says, no, God has told me specifically to go back to my hometown using a different route and not to eat or drink anything. So he left. When word got to an older prophet that lived in another town, what had happened, he got on his donkey, told his sons, hey, get the donkey ready. So he gets on the donkey, goes to look for this man of God, finds him under a tree resting, And he says, hey, is it true all this that has happened? He says, yeah. He says, why don't you come to my house to eat? And the prophet, the man of God, told this older prophet, no, I can't do that. God has told me to go straight home. Well, this older prophet lied to him and said, well, God has revealed himself to me and said that you can come to my house to eat. So he goes to this guy's house to eat. And when he leaves, look what the Bible says. This is terrible. So this is there in chapter 13, verse 24. When he was gone, a lion met him on the road and killed him. And his corpse was thrown on the road, and the donkey stood by it. And the lion also stood by the corpse. So the donkey was okay. (laughs) (laughs) The lion didn't eat the donkey. So this is a a crazy story talking about how God takes very seriously obedience. And there are many other stories, but the most famous story, Daniel and the lion's den. So Daniel chapter 6 uh, verse 12, you know, when, when they, uh, the, the, the other governors went and told that the king, that, that Daniel was still praying, he says, uh, it says there in verse 12, And they went before the king and spoke concerning the king's decree. Have you not signed a decree that every man who petitions any god or man within 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the lion's den? The king answered and said, The thing is true, according to the law of the means and persons, which does not alter, can't change it. Verse 16, so the king, when he found out that Daniel had disobeyed and they were friends... What a tough situation. So the king gave the command, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the lion's den. But the king spoke, saying to Daniel, Your God, whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. Well, I don't know how much faith he had in what he said, because he couldn't sleep all night thinking that maybe Daniel was not (laughs) delivered. So in verse 20, it says, And when he came to the den that was in the morning, he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel, because he didn't know what had happened. And the king spoke, saying to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Verse 22, my God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths, so that they have not hurt me, because I was found innocent before him. And also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. Verse 24, and the king gave the commandment, that they brought those men who had accused Daniel, and they cast them into the lion's den. Then their children, their wives, and the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces before they even touched the bottom of the den. (laughs) Imagine how hungry those animals were. Verse 27. Now now listen to the king's own testimony. He delivers and rescues, and he works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth who has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. But this morning, brothers and sisters, we're going to, learn some lessons from this story, the story about a lion that was killed in a pit or a cistern, depending what translation you use, while it was snowing. Wow, what a tremendous feat, right? This is, this is just extraordinary. So how about if we use a little bit of uh, sanctified imagination this morning uh, when we go through this story, but before that, let, let's just try to remember who this is, okay? So let, let's Let's talk a little bit about Benaiah. So who, who was this guy? Because every time the Bible says something, he's doing something incredible. He's doing something amazing. So so let, let's just talk a little bit about this guy. So first of all, Benaiah, he was the son of a Levi priest. He came from the tribe of the priesthood. So so here he is. Uh, it says in the, first, in the first verse, in verse 20 of the story, it says that he was the son of Jehoiada. That means that he was from the tribe of Levi and a direct descendant of Aaron, the first high priest. So this makes him a very godly person, a person that was devoted to God and knew the scripture. So this is very important. Number two. Number two, oh, it says there in the next part of the verse that his grandfather was a very courageous person. Wow. So we don't know anything else about his grandfather. The only thing we know is that he was a very brave guy. And it probably carried in the genes because now we find this benign, also very, very courageous. Okay? But he had a grandfather that was very, very, very brave. Uh, Let's see what else else we can find about this guy. So he had killed two lion-like heroes of Moab. So you can find that right there in in the next verse. So it says there, uh, and he killed... Let me see where it is. Okay, so it says here, uh, it says that he had done many deeds. And then in verse 20, the second part says, he had killed two lion-like heroes of Moab. So these guys were the nightmare (laughs) of of all the nations there surrounding. I mean, these guys were fierce. They would take people and just literally tear them apart. I mean, these guys were like lions. But Benaiah killed these guys and got rid of the nightmare. Okay? Okay. So these warriors that were feared and mighty, they were destroyed by Benaiah. Then in the, in the next part of the verse, in verse 21, it says, And he killed an Egyptian, a spectacular man. So in 1 Chronicles 11.23, it adds, and it says, And he killed an Egyptian, a man of great height, five cubits. So he was seven feet six inches. So a huge guy. And look how he did it. in in, in chronicles it says the egyptian had a spear in his hand and he went down with him only with a a club in his hand or or a staff wrestled the spear out of the egyptian's hand and killed him with his own spear (laughs) so that was a tremendous a tremendous accomplishment there okay let's see what else the bible says he was among the most important and honored men in david's kingdom Look, look what the bible says It says in verse 22 and twenty-three, he won a name among three mighty men. So David had these three mighty men that were the best of the best. And they're mentioned there in in the early part of the chapter, uh, Joseph, Beshebeth, Eleazar, and Shammah. So the Bible says that Benaiah, he was considered as important as those three guys. And not only that, the Bible says that he was more honored than the 30 chief men that ruled the whole kingdom. So we're talking about King David's uh, cabinet. He, we're talking about all the secretaries of state. Well, this guy was honored even above those guys. Wow. This, this is amazing. This is amazing. So uh, let, let, let's see what else. So number six, David puts him over the bodyguards. Oh, wow. So, you know, the president of the United States has the secret service, right, that takes care of him. David had his own personal guards also. And Beniah was honored among David's mighty men. And David puts him as not only a bodyguard, the chief of all the bodyguards. <laughs> okay? So, uh, you know, by the way, I don't know if you guys are following me, but I think they had a lot to talk about. <laughs> David and, and Beniah, they had a lot of things to talk about because they had both killed giants, they had both killed lions, and they had a lot of things in common. So so here we have him now as the chief of the bodyguards. And he did his job well because if you go through the whole story of David, many times David was delivered by this guy. Now, Benaiah commands David's mercenary armies also, okay? Uh, The the, the forces that he oversaw were also the Chethorites and the Pelethites. So so these other uh, nations, they worked with David to conquer Uh, other armies and so now we have this guy here that's commanding david's mercenary forces and also overseeing what these other uh armies did now he didn't oversee the hebrew army that was joab's job right uh but the bible does say something interesting in first chronicles 27 5 and 6 it says that one month of the year he would lead david's army so he would have the chance to be the general of the army for that for that for that period of time Now, something else happened. Remember that when David was still alive, one of his sons decides to become king on his own decree. Okay, you guys remember that? Okay, so we're talking about Adonijah. So he decides to declare himself king, and uh, of course he was out of line, (laughs) right? So Benaiah, however, which is loyal to David, and fully backs up Solomon. You can find that in 1 Kings chapter one, verses 36 to 37. He takes his mercenary army, parades Solomon to his coronation. Beniah he kills all those that oppose Solomon's uh, being becoming king, and he even kills Joab, the general that was now in favor of the son that was not the legitimate choice. And now look what happens. Benaiah becomes Solomon's general. What <laughs> what a career, man! What a career! That's why I say every time the Bible says something about this guy, he's doing amazing stuff. So he secured the throne for Solomon, and he receives a higher place, a place of honor in the kingdom. The Bible says that he became commander of the king's army. But let's just go back a little bit. So, Benaiah had gone down and killed the lion in the midst of a pit, in a snowstorm, in a snowstorm, <laughs> so let, let's use a little bit of our imagination now, okay, so scripture doesn't tell us uh, what Benaiah was doing, or where he was going when he encountered the lion, okay, we don't know the time of day that, that, that Benaiah confronted the lion, we don't know uh, the frame of his mind, but scripture does reveal his reaction, and it's, it's really gusty, it it, it ranks as one of the most improbable reactions recorded in Scripture. Because usually, if we confront a man eating bees, that image is going to travel through our optical nerve and registers in our visual cortex, and the brain has an overarching message for us. Run! (laughs) That's that's the message we're going to receive. So normal people usually will run away from a lion, right? Uh, For the vast majority of us, the only places that we have seen lions is in, in a cage or as a stuffed animal, <laughs> okay? So we probably never have encountered a a, 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 a lion or had to have a a, a hand-to-hand combat with a, with a lion. So let's put on uh, Beniah snowshoes, okay? So out of the corner of his eye, Benaiah sees something crawling. I don't know how far away the lion is, and their vision is probably obscured because... Of the snow that's falling and and, and and frozen breath, but there is a moment when Benaya and the lion they lock eyes. They lock eyes. <laughs> Pupils dilate, muscles tense, adrenaline rushes. You know, lions can run up to thirty miles an hour, and then at that speed, in one single jump, they can jump thirty feet. 30 feet, you know what 30 feet is? So Benaya didn't have any chance, but that doesn't keep him from giving chase. Then the lion makes a critical misstep. The ground gives away beneath this 500-pound frame, and he falls down a steep embankment into a snow-laden pit. And for what it's worth, I'm pretty sure the lion landed on his feet because he's a cat, right? So, Benaiah turns around and walks away. No! You see, I want you guys to follow me. There are two sets of track leading up to the pit's edge. One set of footprints. One set of paw prints. Benaiah and the lion disappear into the recesses of the pit. We might expect to see a lion shake its mane and And strut out of the pit but after a few agonizing moments suspense guys the shadow of a human form appears (laughs) climbing out of the pit the blood from his wounds drip on the freshly fallen snow claw marks crisscross his face and his arms but Beniah wins one of the most improbable victories Recorded in the pages of all scripture. Encountering a lion in the wild is typically a bad thing. And really, really bad thing if you find yourself in a pit with a lion and it's snowing. Okay, so that qualifies as a terrible, horrible, no good, bad, bad day. The combination of circumstances usually spells one thing. Death. Death. I don't think anyone would have bet a Mania win in that fight. Probably not even the riskiest of the gamblers. So he had to be at least a 100-to-1 underdog. <laughs> and the snowy conditions on the game didn't help any, right? So scripture doesn't give us a blow-by-blow description of what went down <laughs> in that pit. All we know is is that when the snow melted, the lion was dead, and Benaiah was alive. There was one set of paw prints, two sets of footprints. The question I have for you guys this morning is this. So Why is this so relevant? What does it have to do with you and me? What, what does this battle with Benaiah and the lion have to teach us? So uh, as I studied this, I discovered four lessons for us this morning. So let's dive right into it. So here we go. Number one, in our Christian walk, and in many areas of our life, we need certain characteristics, certain elements. If we want to be successful, if we want to be Benanias, we need to be courageous. Being a Christian today is not easy, guys. Standing up for what's right is not easy. Being truthful and obedient to God Sometimes it can be very overwhelming. Like keeping the Sabbath. Every every day that goes by it's coming, it's coming harder and harder to keep the Sabbath. I mean, we used to just write a little letter to our folks and and, 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 and the and the companies or the or the or the CEOs or whoever's the boss, we just give the Sabbath to our to our church members. Not anymore. Not that easy. Now we have to take it to court and all that stuff, and that's crazy. So you know. Being a Christian is not easy. You have to be courageous to be a Christian. Facing this coronavirus, you have to be courageous. Facing maybe some financial situations, you have to be courageous. So first of all, we must be courageous. Benaya was courageous. He faced the lion in very severe conditions like we saw in the, in the snowstorm, cornered in a pit. So, so sometimes, guys, we just have to leave our comfort zone. But in order to do that, it takes a lot of bravery. So we must be courageous when facing the lions of our health issues. You know, one of the most dreaded things that I hear as a pastor is when a member calls me and say, Pastor, I just got notified that I have terminal cancer. When someone calls me and say, Pastor, I didn't know it, but I'm diabetic, and now I have to go under all these different treatments and cares and So, you know, sometimes we face these lions, uh, health issues, financial uh, upsets, family problems. So what we have to do is ask God for boldness. We have to ask God for courage. So when facing these lions, we must be courageous. Second, yeah, we got to work hard if you want to have success in this life and if you want to be a successful Christian. You cannot be lazy. Benaiah was not lazy. He goes into the pit. Snow is falling down and does what he has to do. He was not lazy in accomplishing his goal. So let us get to work and do God's bidding. Involve yourself in mission, brothers and sisters. Be a glow track missionary. Invite people to church, especially to the small groups. We just started our small group. So all the elders and some other church members that are leading small groups, become active in a small group. Imagine now with this pandemic we're using, we're using Zoom, we're using technology, and now we can reach people anywhere. What an amazing, what an amazing thing. So get involved. And I, and I was just thinking, when I was making the sermon, I was just thinking, what would happen if you would put in your heart the definite objective of winning one soul in 2021? Just one person that you bring to God and they get baptized and become part of the church. We'd have to literally... Plant another church. We'd have to put a church somewhere else. Isn't that God's way of doing things? So just think about it. What would happen if we stop being lazy, thinking that that's why they pay the pastor, you know, to win souls? No, they don't pay me to win souls. They pay me to put you to work so you win souls, okay? So let's get to work and do God's bidding. People who are God-driven are not lazy couch potatoes, but are gusty people who will do whatever it takes to do great things for God. Whatever it takes. So let us go to work and do God's bidding. Benaiah is described as a doer of great deeds. Yes, we got to be doers rather than empty trumpet blowers. So let us get to work and do God's bidding. Number three. There you go. Perseverance. Yes, Beniah kills a lion in a pit on a snowy day. How long did it take him? I don't know. But he didn't give up until he killed the lion. He did not give up until the job was done. Perseverance should characterize all the followers of God. Beniah went against all odds. He slew the lion despite the snow. We need such tenacious, doubtless, plucky warriors who will overcome hurdles rather than buckle down under pressure. There's a saying, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. (laughs) So we must persevere. You know, how how many folks are not with us now because they did not persevere? I mean, just just think about it. I know a lot of you have been here in Garden Faith for some time. So, there's a lot of people that are not here today because they gave up. They got discouraged. They got distracted along the way. They did not persevere. So be it rain or snow, Ben and I, like people, will finish the job and trust it to them to the best of their ability. So, so listen to this. When you do something to the best of your ability, you know how God sees that? That's perfection. Because he doesn't expect anything else from you but for you to do your best. Okay, so if you do your best to God, that was perfect. Okay, so don't give lame excuses. Execution is predominant. Just do it, but we must persevere. So, so let's say you're at your job, you know, and, 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 and you have to do something on a computer or you have to print something, and technology is not working for you. Well, you have to find resources to get the job done. <laughs> okay, it doesn't matter. You have to find some other resources. So young people that are listening this morning online, or those of you that are here today, don't drop out of school. Finish high school. Finish college. Get your degree. Brother, finish those repairs at your house that you've been trying to repair for the last three months or six months or five years. Sisters, you want to learn a new instrument or you want to get a degree, go for it. Go for it. But don't return with excuses. Each one of us have to navigate through a series of difficult situations. But finally, at the end of the day, we have to get the job done. And never, listen to me please. Are you listening? Never, never give up on God. Keep the, keep the faith. Fight the good fight. Finish the race. But for that... What do we need? Re perseverance. Fourth, fourth th- this is very important. So fourth, yeah, you have to be humble. Do not brag or nag about how it was done. The inconveniences faced during the journey of getting something done. All that should be left unsaid. The flavor of victory is lost when you give a long list of the woes that you had to face. Benaiah went into the pit. Killed the lion and walked away. David found out about it, you know. David found out about it, and he made him, you know, his uh, his personal guard. So we have to be humble. Awards will come when you remain faithful. Awards will come when you remain honest. Awards will come when you are committed and loyal. So be accomplishers. Your pain, discomforts, agony, and distresses experienced during the process of getting the job done will not go unnoticed because God will do the talking on your behalf. So that's when you get surprised knowing all of a sudden you have this promotion in your job because you were faithful. That's when a young person all of a sudden discovers that at the end of high school he has this tremendous scholarship to go to his favorite college where he wanted to go Yes, that's when you find that companion for life that you have been waiting for so long. So let's be humble. Even when you don't get the admiration, the accolades, or the appreciation. Yes, you dear wives that that slug in the kitchen so so many years, and you don't even get a word of thank you from your husband. (laughs) You know, a word of appreciation for everything that you do. And dear husbands, maybe you work really hard during this pandemic to keep your family together and make food appear on the table and you haven't been given a pat on the back. Or maybe young people that are doing good in school besides all that's going on. <laughs> you know? So they're doing good in school. They're keeping their grades up. You're not getting an affirmation from your parents. Hey, man, don't worry, friends. God will reward you. Benaniah's further achievements reached the palace of King David and later King Solomon. He became the head of the army, 1 Kings 2.35. The king put Benaiah, the son of Joiada, over the army in place of Joab. So, sincere, good work, even if it's done inside a pit on a snowy day, will reach the ears of our King Jesus... And God is looking for Benanias who will kill lions in a pit on a snowy day. But we have to be humble. So what does Benaniah teach us? Well, he teaches us that we must be courageous, we must be hardworking, we must be perseverant, and we must be humble. Humble. Now, I'd like to end this presentation uplifting... Jesus, of course, but let, let me talk to you about two lions, two lions, and these lions have been fighting, and I, I actually uh, found a video online, there was a safari, and so these people go to a place where there's these lions, and there's these two male lions that start to fight, you should hear the roaring, you should see how they're slapping each other with those paws, and trying to bite each other's necks, it's incredible, so we have in the Bible two lions that have been fighting all this time in this great conflict between good and evil. So let's see the first lion. So here we go. Satan, First Peter five twenty eight. Be sober and vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking who he may be our... So, so let, let, let's see what the uh, strategies to destroy us are. And, and look how this just lines up perfectly with Benaiah's story. The first thing the devil wants to use to get you destroyed is fear. Fear of the pandemic, fear of losing your job, fear of losing your family, fear of whatever. He specializes in fear. So what are you afraid of today? That's what the devil is going to use to try to destroy you, fear. Fear. And there's a song that, that a Christian writer wrote and sings, a composer. It says, fear is a liar. It'll just stop stop you in your steps and destroy you. So, brothers and sisters, remember that Satan uses fear to destroy us. What else does he use? Laziness? Yeah. During this pandemic, it's been interesting because we have seen many, many Christians become very, very lazy. Very lazy in their personal devotion with God, in their service to the church, in just so many ways. And so one of the things that Satan does is, is make us lazy. I mean, let someone else go and preach the gospel. Why should I do it? I need to care for my health. I mean. And so we excuse this. Do not do God's bidding. Or we say, no, I'm not good enough. You know, the, the, one of the ways makes us lazy by making us believe that we're not good enough to do what God wants us to do. Another thing that he does is discourage. He loves to discourage people. You know, I've I've seen church members that just because I was so busy, you know, when a a pastor comes to church and he has to make sure that everything's ready for the divine service, he talks to the head elder and runs around. And sometimes I literally, and this is probably going to happen more than once, I forget to smile at you or say hi. And so this church member doesn't want to come to church anymore because the pastor was mean to him or mean to her. There's no excuse for my behavior, but there's, a, there, there's no excuse for they, their behavior either. And So sometimes we find any type of excuse to get discouraged. And, and there's, there's people, I, I remember this one guy, man, he knew the prophecies, backwards and forward I mean he was he was a first elder in one of my churches he ended up being one of the leaders of the catholic church in that city he left he left the 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 church and and was the right hand of the of the priest of the catholic church his daughter married a seventh-day adventist pastor and she would tell me pastor when you can bring my dad back to church then I'll consider you a good pastor now that was messed up because I never was able to so I guess I'm a bad pastor I talked to him. I prayed with him. He never came back. But what was his excuse? His excuse was that there was a lot of hypocrisy in the church. Come on. What was the Satan use? Pride. Oh, yeah, that can, that can destroy us in a heartbeat. I mean, that's what happened to Lucifer in heaven, right? That was his issue. Pride. So we've got to be very careful with this one. Because we can become prideful for any, anything that we accomplish. Be it big or small. And it'll just blind us. And we'll get all confused on our priorities. But let's go to the second lion because this is my favorite <laughs> Okay? So we have this lion here. This is, this is Jesus. The Bible says in Revelation 5.5, 5, Do not weep. See. Look at the, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David. He has what? Triumph! He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. So, wow, Jesus has never lost a battle, guys. Jesus is a winner. Jesus is a winner. And, and in this, this battle, this battle between Satan and Christ, how is it going to end? How is it going to end, guys? But before we go there, let, let's see what Jesus' tra- tragedies are. So here we go. All right. Jesus is always encouraging you. All the time. Every day. He takes advantage of whatever situation to encourage you. Look at the promise in, in Joshua 1.9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you you go. So Jesus wants us to do great things, but he wants us to do it with courage. With courage. And, and and it's interesting because not only does he encourage us constantly, he also gives us a mission. So so let's say you're a professor, like here we have two professors. Is that your mission in this life? No. That's your vocation. But what is your calling? I don't know if you guys are following me, but sometimes we get this all confused. Because God has given you a mission of saving souls. So it doesn't matter if you're a professor, if you're a teacher, if you work in the city, if if you're a doctor, it doesn't matter where you're at. That's not your mission. Your mission is not to be a doctor, a professor, a teacher. No, your mission is to save souls being a teacher. Your mission is to win souls being a constructor. Your mission is to win souls being a student that's your mission so God gives us a mission not only gives us a mission he says that he will accompany us during that mission so number two there uh, he gives us a mission look what he says go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you look how it ends and lo I am with you always even to the end of the age amen so God gives you a mission he says but you're not alone on it I'll be with you so you can accomplish it. Now, God does not want us to give up ever. You know, there's a sermon that he gives that we know it as the prophetic sermon of Matthew 24, where he talks about the end times and, and, and the things that are going to happen before Jesus coming. Well, right in that chapter, look what Jesus says. <laughs> this is amazing. So, so these words that he spoke in this prophetic sermon that has to do with end times has a special application for you and me. So look what it says here. It says... But he who endures to the end shall be saved. So here we're talking about perseverance. God doesn't want you to give up on your faith. God wants you to be strong in your faith. He wants you to keep going, no matter what the challenges are. But he also invites us to be humble. Matthew eleven twenty nine says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for yourself. So if we want to be humble, it's not something that, that you can do on your own. You have to learn it from Jesus. And to learn it from Jesus, you have to know Jesus. And you have to study his life. And you have to see how he confronted situations. And how he battled in this earth against everything that we battle. And so he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. So let's go back to the question. So how does the story end? Well, the lion of the tribe of Judah, Jesus, your Jesus, my Jesus, he kills the devil lion. He goes into the pit on a snowy day and destroys the devil. And, and we read about that in Revelation in and, and the third coming, because we don't talk much about the third coming of Jesus, but the third coming is amazing, because it's when heaven literally will change its address to the new earth. <laughs> Jesus is going to recreate this earth, so heaven is not going to be in heaven anymore. It's going to be on this rebellious planet, which will be made new. Isn't that amazing? So when the holy city is coming down, look what the Bible says. This is in the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 20, verse 10. The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone. Malachi 4.1. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, and all the proud, yes, all who do wickedly shall be stubble, and the day which is coming shall burn them up, says the Lord of the hosts, that will leave them neither root nor branch, Finish! Jesus wins! So, with this being said, I think we have a decision to make this morning. How many of you would like to be courageous like Ben and I? How many of you would like to have that, 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 that spirit of, of working hard for God in his mission like Benaiah? how many how many of you would like to persevere and not give up in this in this journey that we're on, and how many of you would like to learn from Jesus to be humble, be humble with your husband with your wife, <laughs> with your kids, with your parents? But the most important thing is that we accept today the lion of the tribe of Judah, but in order to accept the lion, we have to accept the lamb. So I prepared a song for you guys. We're going to put it up on the the screen. As we listen to the song, I want you guys to reflect on what Jesus means to you, what he has done in your life. This song tells us that Jesus is the lion, but he is also the lamb. But in order for him to be the lion in your life, first he has to be the lamb. We have to accept him every day as our personal Savior so that he can be the lion and give us the victories that come along with that. So let's let's listen to this this song and we'll we'll consecrate our life to God. So let's stand up as we close and and just thank God. Thank God for the victory that he has given us and that he's willing to give us continually. And there's no one that can defeat this lion. (laughs) No one. No one can defeat this lion. And this lion's coming back soon in the clouds. He's
1: coming on the clouds. Kings and kingdoms will bow down. And every chain will break as broken hearts declare. Now listen to this. Our God, God is, is the lion, the lion of, of Judah. Judah. He's roaring with power and fighting our battles. And every knee will bow
0: before him. But he's also the lamb.
1: Our God, God is, is the, the, lamb, the lamb, the lamb that was, was slain. For the sin of the world, his blood breaks the chains. And every knee will bow before the lion and the lamb. And every knee will bow Oh,
0: what amazing day that's gonna be. Kneel <laughs> down before the lion and the man. Praise you, Jesus.
1: So open up the gates, make way before the king.
0: Judas, he's with
1: power and fighting battles.
0: Yes, yes, he's
1: our no
0: Who can stop him? (laughs) Nobody Nothing can stop him. He will always be triumphant and our
1: conqueror.
0: Oh he's the lion. He's the lion. You ready? Let's listen to the chorus one more time. Yeah. Dear God, here are the benayas, the modern-day benayas. Yes, Lord, we are willing to go into the pit and fight our lions on a snowy day. But we will not do it on our own strength. We will do it in your strength and in your name. Give us courage, Lord. Please give us the ability to do your bidding. And help us to never give up and keep us humble. But most of all, Lord, this morning we want to accept the lamb so that he can be our lion. Thank you, God. Bless us the rest of the Sabbath. In Jesus' precious name,
1: amen.